Hey tribe, it's Nixie Marie. You're listening to New Earth, a podcast where each week we explore the relationship between spirituality and sustainability and how these topics play an important role in the evolution of humankind. Together, we aim to remember our connection with Mother Nature to heal ourselves and save our planet. Hello, Earthlings. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy to be back. I don't know if I clearly stated that on last week's episode, uh, but I'm very excited to be back in the recording studio in my Topanga home and just getting behind the mic. I really miss it and I'm happy that you guys are all here. Welcome back to the show. I hope you had a good rest of your summer and I'm actually sitting with a beanie on and a bunch of clothes because it's cold and it's early in the morning. And we are definitely transitioning over here on the Western Hemisphere into the fall energy, which I am I love so much and I'm so grateful to be able to experience it. And we're doing a our traditional Samhain Halloween fiesta here in Topanga. Might be celebrating the last big event here in our home. We're not quite sure yet. We're kind of letting the wind take us to our next step. But I'm happy that you're all here. And as we are back in action this month after our summer hiatus, you definitely heard in my last episode that you know I've been working on a lot of different projects, which is why I need a little break from the podcasting world. And you know, sailing around Mexico kind of threw me off a bit. And now I'm back here and landing. And I just actually wrapped up. I'm up early because I was wrapping up the final touches to our latest fall product launch for my my company Clarity. And this one's a special one. It's definitely inspired by my time over in the Sea of Cortez and sailing. And also I'm really tapping into my inner witch, Mystical Mermaid, to invite you to also unleash your mystical witchy self. I just launched the Sea Witch Bundle, which includes our new room and linen spray. It is scented with lime, eucalyptus, and lavender essential oils, which sort of has this beachy, refreshing scent that you can spray on your linens on your I always like to spray it on my pillowcases before I go to bed and just kind of spritz up the room when I wake up in the morning so that's included in this bundle and then also we will have our spiced rum all-purpose cleaner which is and then the ready-to-go bottle you just add the water and it's in this lovely scent that brings the fall energy into your home it has eucalyptus clove, cinnamon, rosemary, lemon. I mean, don't you want your home to smell like this? It's like a candle. Your home smells like a candle. It's so yummy. And finally, what's included in this bundle is our eucalyptus smoke clearing wand, which I partnered with a lovely creative soul sister friend of mine here that uh, she created these specifically for us. It has a little starfish on it, which is a resin so it's a fun little decor piece also a uh, selenite wand and it's a eucalyptus 
bundle to smudge and cleanse your home or smoke cleanse uh, your space. So as we edge into the veils becoming thinner, we want to keep the spirits away from our home during the shift in season. And as we edge closer to Samhain, the witch's new year, our homes become such a beautiful safe space for the deeper inner work so I just wanted to invite you all to ring in the good vibes with me and shop this fun bundle that we just put up on the site where a lot of this you know all the inspiration came from my time spent at sea like I mentioned so the collection is available on my website at www.clarity.com that's spelled c-l-a-r-y-t-i.com or you can click on the link in the show notes And just wanted to blast you off with that announcement before we get into the interview today because I'm really excited about that one. I had a lot of fun creating it and I had a lot of you guys in mind. So just so you know also that your purchase for any of our products really helps us, really supports the show here. So I really appreciate everyone who's really been uh, raving about our product line and helping us grow. Uh, Today's episode is kind of close to home unintended. Uh, We're going deep into a sustainable fashion conversation, which we haven't really explored at all, I want to say, on the podcast. But some of you who've been following my journey for a long time, you might know that I came from the fashion industry and somehow landed on making home cleaning products and talking about feng shui. So on today's episode, I chat with Mallory Dunn. Mallory is the owner and designer of Smart Glamour, a customizable, inclusive, sustainable clothing line for all bodies made in New York City. She is also an adjunct professor for the New School on FIT Inclusion uh, and Inclusion and Sustainability and Accessibility are at the forefront of her design and education work. So it's obvious why she's here. I mean, Speaking sustainability and clothing is a really hard conversation to have because the fashion industry doesn't exactly support this to the degree in which it can. One of the reasons why I stepped out of the industry, which you'll hear in the body of the interview today, is because the lack of sustainability and lack of um, care for the planet, really. So Mallory focuses her work on creating sustainable fashion, and she's found a way to bridge the gap and really bring what the fashion industry doesn't, which is exactly what we explore today. So from someone who, you know, lived in the fashion world many years ago, it's really refreshing to hear and connect with others who have paved the way for this new route in the fashion industry today, or really in the world of clothing. Because I think when we bring industry, that term into it, it becomes exactly what it sounds like, an industry. And Mallory is a really a incredible uh, one one woman show she has she does from what I understand have a team but she is a self-funded one woman operated small business so she creates everything by hand and that is not that is so far from industry that it is actually a creator an artist a beautiful human human being creating something different in our world and those are the stories that I love to hear from so grab a cup of tea some coffee cacao or just whatever is appetizing for you in the moment or if you're driving uh, creating art or whatever whatever you're doing listening just enjoy this episode and let's welcome Mallory to the show Hello, fellow Earthlings. Welcome back to the podcast. 
I am sitting with a guest interview today. We have Mallory Dunn on the show. Welcome, Mallory. So happy to have you here. Yes, thanks so much for having me. I am so excited to get into this conversation because I just spent, you know, like I do with every guest, some time really diving into the body of your work. And I came from fashion, as I just mentioned to you before we started recording, and it's been a long time since I've kind of like gone back into that world and really shed some light on what's going on in the industry and how it's evolved. So uh, for those of you guys that aren't familiar with Mallory. She has done a lot of amazing work within the fashion industry and she's the uh, founder and owner of Smart Glamour, which is a customizable, inclusive, sustainable clothing line for all bodies, shapes and sizes, and it's all made in New York City. And she has just had so much success, I think, in the sustainability aspect. And we're going to be getting into a lot of that, you know, the importance of sustainability in fashion. And that's a topic that's really dear to my heart. So excited to get into that. But before we do, I have a couple questions for you. You're in New York City, so I'm curious about this, how you'll answer this. Um, but, you know, as we are all kind of eco-conscious lovers here on the podcast, we're always speaking about how we like to get connected to the land, what we do to connect to the earth. So what do you do when you are needing that deep connection to nature and you need to really immerse yourself in her? What are some of the the rituals, tools, things that you do to connect to the land? Um, that's a great question. So the first thing I would say is while I am um, very passionate about sustainability, um, I personally am not a super outdoor human being. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's wonderful and it needs to be preserved, um, but I do better indoors generally. Um, I will also say that uh, very atypical for New York City, um, I have a backyard, (laughs) Uh, which uh, only as of um, this most recent December, my husband and I just moved to this apartment um, before its yard. Um, and it was actually just basically a big pit of nothingness, uh, mm. of like dirt and weeds and garbage. Cause whoever lived here before us just didn't use it to its capacity in any way, shape or form. And we have completely transformed it into a beautiful yard. So, um, I make sure that I go out there at least once a day, but, uh, if I have the time, I definitely try to schedule like into my schedule, go out and lay in your lounger and just look at the sky and look around at the beautiful flowers and plants and grass that we have grown. Um, and just like breathe and listen to, you know, the sounds of being outside. (laughs) So that's, that's what I would do. I do the most. Yeah. And I, I mean, think being in New York city, that's, that's so much of what, in my mind, you know, if you're living there, you you can go outside on a balcony or you can kind of get connection from anywhere that you mm-hmm. are, especially for a lot of people who are in more urban environments. So um, I love that. And for those of you guys that are going to see the video up on our Patreon, you'll see this beautiful flower uh, painting oh, behind yeah. you. Is that something that you did? Yes. Um, so I paint a mural of flowers in all of my studio spaces. Um, mm-hmm. So this is my my fifth one um when we moved here in December this is actually like the first thing that I did (laughs) oh I love that 
I so miss, I'm like a little envious of this craft studio you have going on right now. I miss that, that energy, like being in just the crafting, having all of your goodies and sewing machines and, um, and you went to Parsons, correct? I went to FIT, oh, FIT. actually, but I, um, yeah, I am right. a adjunct professor at the new school, which is Parsons and also at FIT, but I went to FIT. Okay. Got it. I went to the art Institute in like Orange County. So, um, yeah, it's just a lovely to see. And, you know, I always feel like I'm, I feel like maybe yours is yours is going to be like flowers, but I always feel like connected to a certain plant or animal. And I feel like it's often speaking to me. Do you feel like there's anything lately that you've been connecting to? Um, I mean, in general, I do love flowers. I actually have a bunch of people can see I have a bunch of flowers tattooed on my back. Oh, lovely. Yeah, those are beautiful. Um, so, so flowers are definitely <laughs> my main jam. Um, yeah. I have uh, back in our backyard, I have cow lilies. Um, uh, I'm like blanking on the name now, begonias. <laughs> um, what's the other one? I'm yeah, cosmos. Anyway, yeah, so we, ha we have a decent amount of flowers in the yard, and I am excited to have more as we live here for longer. Yeah. Um, and I would say that cowlilies are my favorite flower. Um, I don't even really have a fancy specific reason why. I just think they're beautiful. <laughs> I don't think we have to have a reason why, you know, flowers are our type of flower. You know, it's, it's just like something that deeply resonates with us. So that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Well, tell me a little bit how you, you know, what got you inspired to step out into the sustainable fashion world? Ooh, so many things. Um, so basically, I've been interested in, um, I say more clothing my whole life than mm. quote unquote fashion, because to me, sometimes yeah. fashion kind of denotes like brand names and trends and like that kind of part, um, which is not what I'm super into. I'm just like, I, I personally love clothing and getting dressed and I love self-expression. Um, and I always have ever since I was a kid, uh, when I was like five years old, that's how my mom would remind me who people were. She'd be like, it was the person in the yellow. I'm like, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> um, cause I've just always been drawn to that. Um, and then when I was in high school, my high school had a fashion design uh, class. And I was like, oh my God, I've never even considered the fact that this was a job before. I just was having fun, like making things and cutting things up and putting them back together, um, you know, doing what is quote unquote called upcycling, but I didn't know it was called that. I was just, you know, having fun. Um, and once I started taking the fashion design classes in, in high school and I realized like that was a job you can have, uh, I like switched my whole pattern and was like okay I'm gonna go to college for fashion so I went to FIT as I mentioned um, got a fashion design degree there and very quickly was bombarded with the parts of fashion that I don't like the yeah. like clickiness the pretension yeah. um, the trying to put people into boxes it's funny because people maybe people who aren't super involved in fashion may think that it's like so creative and like you know, it's like being an artist and it's really, it's really not, you know, yeah. it's consumerism, it's making things to sell. Um, and so I wasn't super psyched on the path that FIT was putting me down. Um, I'm so appreciative of the education I got there because I learned how to make anything, um, which is the main reason I can do what I do now. But um, I didn't want to end up sitting at a desk, you know, having an internship and then maybe by the time I'm 70, I can make my own stuff. That just didn't sound fun to me. 
Uh, so I, after I got my associate there, I transferred and I got a art and design education degree from Pratt Institute, thinking that maybe I would teach fashion. Um, but then I missed <laughs> making things. Uh, so I was like, took a year off after I graduated from Pratt um, and just was like, what am I gonna do? And so I was like, well, you know, maybe I'm judging fashion before, you know, giving it a try. So I decided to go into corporate fashion to just see what it was like. And I ended up working in juniors, which is like making things for like tweens and teenagers um, and crossover customers, which means that it's also technically for adult women who may shop at the lower priced stores that we made clothes for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got into juniors totally by accident. I was just like looking for fashion jobs and just didn't, you know, just kind of found what was out there to apply to. And I worked in juniors corporate fashion for a few years. And that is really what opened my mind, um, or not mind, opened my eyes to like how clothes are actually made in this world and how terrible it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I was correct in assuming that like, it wasn't going to be very creative. It was going to be very high stress. I was just going to be sitting at a desk. All of those things were true. But um, really finding out literally how clothes are manufactured and how much of it is just copying and it's mm-hmm. all about the cheapest price and it's okay to sacrifice quality and, and all these terrible things. And like, you know, we don't even talk to the people at the factories. We just talk to agents, which are go-betweens between designers and factories. And even the agents like switch out every few months because they are constantly looking for a place that will treat them better. Like it's, it's, it's really, really bad. Um, (laughs) So uh, after a few years and a few promotions and all that kind of stuff, I decided to quit and I went into freelance design, um, meaning I basically did anything I possibly could to make a living that was related to fashion design and teaching and any skill that I had. And it was during that time that I had the like emotional energy and, and forethought to come up with my own company. And I will say that when it started, it was more about um, inclusion and accessibility than it was about sustainability. But um, being somebody who runs a small business and everything is made to order, like some of the sustainability aspect is kind of built into that, right? Like I'm right, not, absolutely. I'm not mass manufacturing anything. Yeah. And um as I went on I really learned that like so many of the things that I cared about and then so many of the things that I didn't like about corporate fashion tied into like oh right I am creating a sustainable business how can I make it even more so and just you know have progressed over the years in that way I feel like you just told so much of my own story in a way you know like just just (laughs) nailing every aspect of the expectations you know from school to what it was really like out in out there in the world. And I think it's really important to hear because personally for me, what shifted was when I saw the video, the documentary True Cost. And, yeah. you know, it really awakened me to what the industry in and of itself was creating and how mm-hmm. it was really killing people, you know. And the only way around that was, A, to stop supporting you know, these, these companies that are really pushing fast fashion. So, you know, my, my years going to fat, like, uh, what was it? Forever 21 and H and M, you know, those were, I started to just boycott completely. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really interesting. Just, it's nice to have some, a conversation too, that someone really appreciates clothing and also understands, you know, the back end and all the systems that have put it in place 
and to just mm-hmm. share this conversation, you know, do you feel like, do you feel like fashion has evolved at all over the years to be leading into a little bit more sustainability? I mean, it has, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a slow progress. Um, I feel very similarly to how fashion has leaned into inclusion. Um, mm. It has also done that, but also slowly. And in my opinion, not enough. Right. Um, especially with all the resources these brands have, like, yeah. I mean, I just don't accept their excuses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to sustainability, I think that even in the past year and a half with the pandemic, um, I feel like I've seen a bigger push for folks uh, being more aware about sustainability and like where their clothes are from. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I think a lot of that happened because when the pandemic happened, all of these Uh, fast fashion stores but even not quote-unquote fast fashion but like unethically made mid-sized companies right um they all lost their ability to to produce anything because Mm -hmm. they produce everything on the other side of the globe and and um in those countries they don't have the infrastructure that we have so like you know we definitely shut down but they had so much of a tougher time you know um and when we manufacture like 97% of our clothing in China and India and Bangladesh and Pakistan, like um, we rely on those people to make all of our products. And so, so many big, big, big name businesses filed for bankruptcy, closed hundreds of their yep. stores. Like they just, they had no way to pivot. Yep. Um, and I think that happening put it much more in more people's uh faces Mm -hmm. that like oh you know really nothing is made here and like what does that mean and who are the people that are making our things and how are they being treated um maybe we should start paying attention (laughs) yeah do you feel like this really needs to become you know moving in this direction needs to be the forefront of clothing today even you know taking aside the industry aspect of it but just you know the way we wear clothing do you feel like this and why do you feel like that that it needs to be um well I think the personally to me I think that the thing that needs to be at the forefront of anyone's mind who's interested in fashion um, either as a consumer or as a person who works in it is overproduction and overproduction to the to the overserved, so like mm-hmm. we're making so much stuff and the majority of what we make is all for the minority of the population yep. the majority of the population in america is plus size but you know um in 2017 they only made up 12 percent of sales of women's clothing so we are overproducing at such a high rate but we're also overproducing for the wrong people and only in the name of like fat phobia. Um, so that to me is, is kind of like the biggest problem and it touches on so many different aspects yeah. of fashion and of sustainability and also just of like morals <laughs> um, that we are uh, treating fashion so dispo- like it's so disposable. Um, from a consumer standpoint, I think that's what really needs to shift is so many people you know, we wait to the last minute when it's like two days before we need to, or we think we need to wear something new um, for something. And then we don't have time to, to shop, you know, 
slow or ethically because you just need to get something they can get that can get to you immediately. And when you shop in that pattern of time, what you get, you're probably not going to like it that much, right? Because you're like up against the wire. And then you're like, well, I'm just going to get this thing, maybe it'll work. And then maybe it's the only thing you you got. Maybe it's the only thing that, that quote unquote fits. And so you wear it for the thing and then you never wear it again. And then you throw it out. You, people really have how they think about why they're buying things and like why we don't want to rewear things. You know, like I have a couple of dresses that are more like special occasion dresses to wear to more important things or more fun things or whatever. And I will wear them multiple times. Like, you know, I don't, I don't need a brand new thing to wear every time I'm going to an event. So I think we also really have to change that that mindset. Yeah, you know, that really leads me into this next question I have for you. What are some ways that we can build a minimalist wardrobe and have the least impact on the earth with our clothing? So the number one thing that I think is most important to think about when you're buying clothing is how versatile the item is. So I think sometimes like when we say, you know, capsule wardrobe or minimalist wardrobe, sometimes we can scare some people off like to thinking that like they can't have fun with their clothes anymore. Like they can't buy something just because they really like it, which I I think we still can do that. You just have to be like, you know, more moderate with with that. And as long as um, and if you're looking at something and you're like, wow, this is like such a cool piece and like maybe I don't need it. Can you at least wear it? in lots of different ways you know can you dress it up and dress it down if it's a separate can you wear it with both pants and a skirt um can you wear it through multiple seasons you know that's how I kind of think about um my clothing is like if this unless it's like a tube top or like short shorts I don't really make my clothes too seasonal a lot of my clothes I wear all year round and just like pair them with different things or like layer things over them um and it makes it possible to have less and wear it more often. And then the next thing I would say is that you also have to think about like the quality of those clothes, because mm-hmm. if you're wearing them more, um, they're going to wear down faster. And a lot of fast fashion is not, is, is made purposely to, to not last as long. And when I say that, I want to make it super clear that I'm not saying that the people who make the clothes are like not as good as make, at making clothes or something like that. It's, it has nothing to do with the human beings that are making the clothes and everything to do with the human beings sitting at the desk like I used to sit at who um you know hold things up to the light and go like how see-through can we make this quality and people will still buy it because you know the thinner it is the cheaper it is and the the crappier (laughs) it is the cheaper it is but they still want to make sure that people will pick it up and go sure this is passable but you know when you're putting on a jersey t-shirt and it's like basically tissue paper um, and then you try to wear it a lot, you're going to get a hole in it. <laughs> it's just going to happen. Um, so when we pay more attention to where our clothes are made and like nowadays, especially with social media, like, are you shopping with people who like share any of this information? You know, like, mm. are they having conversations about who makes the clothes, what the fabric is and why they picked it? You know, like why they think the, you know, these items are important and good to have in your closet or are they just like sending you a thousand emails for like deals, deals, deals and trying to get you to just mm, buy things? You know, it's really a very important. different shopping yeah. experience. Absolutely. And 
you know, it's important that we know, I think the biggest thing that you said was really like where it's made and how it's made because Mm -hmm. we could, you know, if we're, if we're consciously consuming and we want to support artists like yourself who are making things by hand or, you know, have a smaller based business model in the mindset of keeping things more sustainable. I think that's a huge mm-hmm. component of being able to make a choice that, you know, we, we are allowed to shop. Yes, we're, we all, our bodies change shapes and sizes all the time, you know, and I think that, yeah. you know, that shouldn't be removed completely. And for me, I, I made this big shift where I found this one dress that I love, the fit, the style, and I bought it in six colors. And I've just been mm-hmm. like, that's my form of mi- minimalism because I can dress it up. I can right. dress it down. It's a, like a color for every day. I can wear a necklace and spice it up. And, you know, my, my fiance kind of taught me that because he has like one hat in 20, like one, one hat that's 20 pieces of it because he loves his hat. He's never going to change that hat and it fits his head because his head is ginormous. And he just kind (laughs) of keeps with the same, you know, style, but changes it up a bit. And I think when we have that, like those foundational pieces, it really helps us to have more fun and expression in our, our clothing when we keep things from that like perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Today's podcast is brought to you by Clarity, the complete non-toxic, zero-waste, all-natural home cleaning solution, co-founded and created by yours truly. Clarity naturally cleans your home without using harmful chemicals, protects the environment with zero-waste packaging, is convenient and cost-saving by delivering concentrates directly to your door, and best of all, it makes cleaning fun. It's simple and affordable to bring Clarity to your home. Grab one of our zero-waste home cleaning kits to get you started or the ready-to-go all-purpose bottle and you have everything you need to remove toxic chemicals and plastics from your cleaning ritual. Sign up for a subscription to receive our concentrate refills and you have everything you need without a trip to the grocery store. Simply visit Clarity, that's spelled C-L-A-R-Y-T-I, dot com and use the promo code eco tribe for your exclusive 10% off discount. Thank you so much for being part of this new earth community and making our world a greener place. You, I mean, you create clothing for everyone, like no matter the shape and size. And, you know, I'm really curious, why has inclusivity been such a huge factor for you in your clothing? So um, inclusivity, as I mentioned before, is, is really the main reason I even started the company. Mm-hmm. And that came from me being very frustrated with how poorly most women and femme people in my life felt about themselves and about their bodies. And, you know, I did all these random part-time jobs before I started my company. And in, and in every situation, you would inevitably end up in a little group of women and someone would say something like, oh, I, I feel gross today. Or like, I hate what, 
this blank body part. Yeah. And then it was, it's like societally, everyone just kind of like jumps in and like talks crap about themselves and it just keeps going. And I always refuse to participate in that. Mm. Um, not because I don't feel insecure sometimes. Of course I do. I'm a human being, but I just think that we have so much more to offer. Um, and you know, there's a difference between sitting down with a friend and saying like, Hey, I'm feeling kind of crappy today. Do you mind listening to me express my feelings about it? And you have a little chat and great versus like, we're in a group. Let's all tear ourselves down. Yeah, such a huge <laughs> um, difference. I just think it's, I think it's so harmful. And I, mm. and I was so frustrated by it. And I just started thinking like, why does why is this a thing like why why is do so many people who in my opinion have you know not only do they have outward beauty to me but also just so much more to talk about and say and offer mm. and like this is what we're doing like how like why why did this happen and the two main things that i thought of were one that especially back in 2012 2013 when this these conversations were happening Everything that we take in from magazines to runway shows to social media ads, et cetera, um, they, all, they show such a small portion of the population and they show them airbrushed and photoshopped and they show them, they show, you know, if you're looking at models, you're usually only looking at people who are like at least five foot nine and they wear a size zero or a two. Um, you're looking at lots of white people. You're looking at people who don't wear glasses, who always are fine wearing heels, who, you know, all these things that like, then you look around in the real world and you're like, this I is mean, a reality. you don't all look like that. <laughs> um, and it may seem silly, but like when it's all you take in, it really does like subconsciously yeah. get into your brain that like, if you don't look like that, you're not correct. You're not good enough. Um, and then that paired with the struggle of finding clothes that fit you well and that you feel comfortable in. Um, something that I say all the time over on my social media channels is that bodies are not made off of charts, mm -hmm. um, meaning size charts, but clothes are made off of size charts. So like we expect everything that we buy, no matter how it's made, especially if it's like mass manufactured, we expect it to fit like couture, like it was like made for our bodies. And when it doesn't, we think it's our fault. Like clearly there's something wrong with my body that like, I can't find this particular dress to fit me properly. And that's just not the case because, yeah. your, bo because your body was not made up your chart. You know, bodies are made in a bazillion different ways. And clothes need to be made to fit human beings, not the other way around. So with all of that in mind, my thought pattern was, okay, well, what if I just make a clothing brand that does the opposite of that? So you make clothing for everybody, you make it customizable so people can get exactly what they want design-wise, but they can also get clothes that fit them. Um, and then you take pictures of all types of human beings wearing said clothing. You don't Photoshop them. You don't um, tell them that they have to look a certain way or that they have to wear heels or they can't wear their glasses or they're not allowed to smile. You don't Photoshop a way that maybe one of them had a pimple on their face one day or they have wrinkles or they have a fat roll. You know, all the things that exist in real life exist in my imagery. So that one's exactly like them. They might see someone with some kind of characteristic that they relate to and think, oh, I'm, I'm also invited here. I, I yeah. also belong here. Um, so and it really does help.
yeah the i mean the i think though that i mean i personally have kind of seen a bit of a shift in media with them really you know in the last couple years especially pushing inclusivity in the conversation in images and but it still takes such deep work to deprogram that subconscious and be confident and because we can easily slip you know we see somebody on the beach somewhere else on a magazine and all of a sudden we're right back to where we started you know it really takes work and you know I commend you for really standing in that and staying true to it because I didn't have the energy to do that (laughs) I was like I don't know I don't know what to start you know and it's (laughs) and it's good that we have people like you that can remain true to and like remove all like the the guidelines and the charts and everything and just say this is actually how we used to do things before the industrial revolution and fast fashion really took off right so yeah that's exactly people used to just go to their like town seamstress and she would make them clothes that fit their body and that's what they owned and they kept it Uh, and total, total opposite of what we do now I totally dream of a world where that exists again because that art of like sewing is so such a like beautiful craft and such a sacred like feminine craft in a way and I, I don't mean like gender specific I just feel like it really brings this this beautiful like therapeutic soft gracefulness into like whenever I'm sewing I just feel like and it's not always like that, let's be honest. There are some needles that break and like things that fly in your eye. <laughs> yeah. But like when you're in the flow, it just like, allows this like really beautiful um, energy to kind of come through. So I imagine a world that we can get back to that in some way. So and look at we are, you know, you're doing it. And maybe somebody listening is is super inspired and wants to do that th- this themselves, you know. Um, mm-hmm. How can clothing really become a tool to promote body positivity and empowerment? Um, so many ways. So the first thing I, I want to say is that I and a lot of people in the on, like online communities I'm a part of have kind of shifted back from body positivity towards more phrases like body liberation, fat liberation, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, you know, as you mentioned, like you have seen, seen a shift in like imagery and, and, and media. Um, you know, I, st- I launched Smart Glamour at the very beginning of 2014. So like, um, it was a very different online yeah. world at that time. You know, that was before Target even attempted to put like any kind of diverse things in their ads. You know, I think they were kind of one of the first very big retailers to do it. You know, this is, this is pre-Airy saying, oh, we don't Photoshop our models anymore. This is pre- uh, yeah. people having runway shows and having like, you know, their two plus size models. This is before any of that ha- yeah. happened at all. This is yeah. before any like conversations were really happening. And it was also right at the start of like, in- you know, Instagram started in t- 2012. So like, mm, that's right. um, it seems like it's not that long ago, but, <laughs> but so much has happened. Oh in that my time gosh. Frame. Yeah. And when like in like 2014, 2015, 2016, when like people really started talking about quote unquote body positivity and like, what does that mean? And we're doing all these different campaigns and we're talking about loving ourselves and whatnot. Um, you know, I think a lot of people who uh, found it just through social media may not have really known that like the roots of that came from like fat liberation movements in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really important to always keep that in mind. And also to keep in mind that like, uh, it's so important to work on yourself and to work on your self-love 
Um, but we also need to be aware that like, if we want that for ourselves, we also need to want that for other people and for mm -hmm. people who are more marginalized than us. Um, and to always keep that in mind. So like when I say different tips that I'm about to say about like using clothes as a tool and using, I also want to mention using social media as a tool for these things. Um, I want folks to think about it, not only for your own self-image, but also for like the liberation of other people. Um, Cause I think that, that for me personally, and for what I do is, is incredibly tied into the work that I do that it's, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't make smart glamour for me. Right. I, I make it so that, <laughs> so that, so that everyone is covered. Um, but so when we talk about like clothes as a way to learn to love yourself um, or feel good about yourself, however, wherever you are, was all valid. Um, the first thing I would say is that when you have on clothes that don't fit and they're like either riding up or falling down or like you feel like things aren't long enough and you're like always tugging on it, like it's really hard to feel confident and yeah. good and like ready to get shit done yeah. because you're like worried you're like adjusting, you're doing all of this. Um, so having access to clothes that actually fit you properly, first of all, just clears space in your head because you don't have to think about it. You've put it on and it fits and you're done and you can just do whatever you need to do without worrying about what you have on and if it's covering you and if it's riding up and if it's falling down or whatever. The next thing I will say is that like, you know, as I mentioned before, the thing that I love so much about clothing is self-expression. I love putting on clothes because I love, um, you know, looking different ways, you know, uh, presenting different ways that I feel like are different parts of my personality. And there's only some people who have, who have access to that, you know, and I feel that fashion is so fun and it should be fun for everyone. And so that's why Smart Glamour is for everyone so that everyone can access that yeah. uh, that tool of self-expression. And I think that when you can access it, um, it's it's almost like, I mean, this is gonna sound incredibly cheesy, but it's, it's almost like putting on, you know, like armor or like some kind of superhero type costume or something. Like you put on an outfit that just like makes you feel like you. It's almost like an indescribable thing but when mm. you feel your most self like when you feel it can be tied into like your gender expression it can be tied into your your sexuality it could be tied into your ability or disability like whatever is going on with you you can kind of as long as you have access to it you can create ensembles and presentations that like say those things about yourself um and when you find that magical combination um it just really helps you feel like, okay, you know, this is a body that I have and these are the tools at my disposal. And like, mm. they're all working in sync with each other. So like, let's go conquer whatever tasks we have at hand. Mm, that is so important. And I, I do want to just say that that word liberation is so much juicier and freeing and just beautiful and I love that you put that into the space because I I really hadn't even thought of you know the the history of body positivity and where it the roots mm -hmm. of where it comes from and how that can impact us in the clothing that we're wearing or even in the conversation and you know it's so it's so important I mean we need to feel we need to feel confident in all the work that we do and you know I myself as well as everybody listening we all have 
an inner voice, insecurities. We all have something that's constantly going on. And when we have the option to feel sexy, to feel good, to feel, you know, courageous enough to move forward in life with our clothing, I think that that is a really bold, bold statement to make. So yeah, yeah. good, good yeah. work on you <laughs> for making all this <laughs> and, and giving people that opportunity because everything in our system gets to be shifted, right? Where we can't, keep operating on a hierarchical structure where only some people win in our yeah. in our world and the fact that you've made this brand to be so inclusive to where you know everybody wins everybody feels good we need more people like you in this world doing that absolutely thank you yeah i appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i mean it's it's so why you know i even have this podcast is just to even talk about the future of what we can create in our world if we just bring the conversation to all versus like I, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's like, um, it's interesting that you, that you say that like all versus I, um, you know, I think when I, the way that I use social media as a tool for my company um, and for my brand, if you want to call it that, um, it's, it's interesting because uh, I feel like I'm always straddling this line where like, I want people to know that they're interacting with like, with me, like with just like a human being, mm. just one person, because so often, um, especially when you're trying to like talk to or get information from like an, a fashion company or, or any kind of company selling a product, you know, you're talking to like, whoever they set up as their social media person or their customer service person. And it might even switch over like day to day or like maybe you'll send them a DM and they'll never see it. Maybe you'll leave a comment and they'll never answer. Um, I always answer. Mm. <laughs> and so many people will just be like, thank you so much for answering. I'm like, of yeah. course. I mean, that, that's what I'm here to do. Um, and I want them to know that they're talking to some, to the person who's making their clothes, you mm. know, like I want people to feel safe and cared for and listened to and seen um while at the same time uh when you go to smart glamour's pages unless you're really looking you're hardly going to see me um, right. you're going to see my models um because i think it's really important to like decenter um thin acceptably curvy tall cisgender straight white ladies which happens to be what I am yeah. <laughs> um, we've got enough of me out there and people that look like me were everywhere yeah um, that is the truth so so I you know don't do so much of like me talking straight to the camera or like um pictures of me wearing my clothes even though all I do is wear clothes I've made um my whole closet's smart glamour um I try to limit that stuff because I'm very aware of like what needs to be seen. Um, and and um, I also, you know, just want to give my incredible models as many chances to be seen by other people mm. um, as humanly possible because they're wonderful yeah. to be seen. But, but it is definitely this struggle between like, I am a me and I want you to know that it's me. And also like, but what we're really talking about here is, is everyone. And mm -hmm. I want everyone to have that visibility. So important. Yeah. I think that's a great way to put it, especially as, you know, anyone who puts himself out on social media, we have to think about that also being another media source that is 
not being regulated, not being, you know, thank goodness, but at the same time, it is showing us more things that our subconscious can easily slip into the comparison, the let that person's body is better than mine. And so, you know, we have to think about those things. And I think that we, we have like, you know, myself probably could do even better, you know, in just being like conscious of certain things that go into, cause I feel like I'm always like in the comparison loop within myself. And then also remembering, you know, other people probably feel this way too, about our bodies, about our lifestyles, mm. about what we're doing. And when, when I come back to myself, I just have to remember to send that person, you know, that I might be judging myself around love and energy. That's like, go, go, you like, go you, you look amazing. You look stunning and to just remember that that will come back to me full circle too you know so yeah yeah uh, I think that's incredibly important you know um helping to uplift somebody else doesn't take anything away from you if if anything it's gonna make you feel good but it certainly doesn't like dim your light to shine a light on somebody else and also what you're mentioning about social media and comparison um I think honestly, my first tip whenever whenever somebody asks me like, how can people feel better about themselves just in general, not even in a clothing way, the first thing I say is like, you really need to heavily curate your social media um, because you know it's 2021. We're all on our phones and our computers all day long. We're on Facebook, we're on TikTok, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, you can't, sometimes it feels like you can't be, but you can be in control of what you see. Um, you know, ads are one thing you can, if they are um, something that feels harmful to you, even if they're not like harmful by the terms and standards of whatever platform you're on, if they feel harmful to you, you can click those dots and click hide ads from this person, um, you know, hide them from me. You can even report them if you do feel that they should be reported. But just in general, you know, like, if you're following somebody and every time you see them, it's triggers something negative in you, whether that's like, I'm not as good as this person. I don't look as nice as this person, or even just like their content just like makes me feel icky for whatever reason. First of all, you can unfollow them. Yep. <laughs> Second of all, if you feel like you can't unfollow them, maybe there's somebody that's close to you and, and you don't want to like stir up drama or whatever you can mute them. Um, you can mute people on all platforms and they don't know you muted them. Um, so I definitely suggest doing that. And then, you yeah, know, if it is somebody that's close to you that you muted them, you can check back in, you know, in a week, in a month and see if maybe their content has shifted a bit or maybe you're in a different space now where you can take it in and not feel badly um, and then just unmute them. Um, but it's so important to both stop following people who make you feel badly about yourself and also actively follow people who, are different from you, who look different from you, who have different marginalizations than you might. Yeah. Um, just really, you know, like expand your worldview because we have that ability now to mm -hmm. see so many people and interact with so many people who live all over the world and live different lives than us. Like when you do that, it does that same subconscious thing I was talking about earlier about looking at imagery that's not reflective of you. It makes you feel badly and it is Photoshopped and all that stuff changing what you see and bringing in people who look different from you um in every level and, and live different lives from you it does the same thing subconsciously you know like over this seven and a half years of having my company 
I truly have shifted my personal idea of like what beautiful is Mm. by changing what I took in. And like, I want everyone to realize that like quote unquote beauty standards are created. They're made up and they're created by the imagery and the content that we consume. So if you change what you consume, eventually, even what, even not, even, you know, not thinking about it, your opinions of what is quote unquote beautiful is going to shift because you're changing what you're taking in and you're changing what is being celebrated. And like in the same way you can create the subconscious of like a negative effect, you can create a subconscious positive effect. That is so incredible. I love that you brought that up. Thank you. I even needed to hear. I'm like, yes, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) And to be, I need to do a a massive social media, like cleanse of my feed because it's been a long time. You know, we've all been in the game of social media for, like you said, till to until since 2012. And I've been on it since then. And I really haven't like sifted through a lot of that, you know, and it can be very intense. And I love that we ended up on this conversation because I think that when we're when we're circling back to clothing and our bodies and how we want to feel, that's such a huge component of it. And especially in the younger generations, you know, they're starting to be on those platforms so much younger. They're already getting that programming to really think a certain way about how they should look. And I think it's more important than ever that we we start to think that way. You know, you can curate, you have the power. And I really appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, absolutely. It's super important to me. I could tell. I could feel your passion around it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of at the top of the hour here. So I have a couple more questions for you. I feel like we could ramble on for a long time about these subjects. They're so, um, so unique and so rel- relatable, you know, because we're all going through these and super simple things that we all struggle with from the day to day. And so I think, you know, your way of bringing a conversation into sustainability to fashion to inclusivity is such a gorgeous way of approaching it so um, if you were to look at the new world of clothing and fashion and the industry and everything that you love what would you really see it become like what is your vision for the world in in that way I mean I think this just ties back to what I what I brought up quickly before earlier that like the way that fashion is produced and who it's produced for has got to shift and change um we are making you know 80 something percent of the clothing for 33 percent of the people and it does not make sense on any level it doesn't make sense on a business level it doesn't make sense on a sustainability level it doesn't make sense on a moral level um Right now, if you care anything about fashion and or body liberation, I would suggest looking up and following um, a content creator named Sauce West. Her um, handle is just her name and it's spelled S-A-U-C-Y-E, West, like the direction W-E-S-T. She is a plus size black model who lives in California and she is above the size range that typically even plus size stores carry uh, because most plus size stores, even if they do make plus size clothing, they'll stop at a three, a four, etc. They'll call that inclusive and call it a day. 
um, where she, you know, she can't shop those clothes. And um, I've partnered with her a few times over the years and she's incredibly lovely and she deserves to have the same clothes everyone else does. And so right now she's doing a campaign called hashtag fight for inclusivity, where she is both supporting brands who make clothes for uh, larger portions of the population and also calling in companies that could do better and just refuse to, to show them like these customers are here and they deserve to be served as well. So I would definitely suggest uh, taking a look at that and supporting that initiative. Um, but yeah, just in general, you know, like I, I, there are people that reach out to me to make them items that I don't carry on my site simply because they can't literally find them anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people who can't find a comfortable like birthing dressing gown yeah, to fit them. People that can't find a swimsuit to fit them. People that can't, people who are in their friend's wedding and their friend is getting all of the bridesmaid dresses or bridal party dresses from one store and they can't fit into that store's clothing. And so I'm making a copy version of that store's item so that it, they have something. And I think that there's a lot of people, especially people who are straight size, who may not realize how prevalent this, that issue is. Yeah. And I think that is a hundred percent due to mainstream media and to fashion companies. A lot of fashion companies who've started to care about inclusion do what I call inclusion light, <laughs> where they do, you know, a group picture of five models and like, They'll mix up the ethnicity and skin tones of people and they'll put in like one or two models, depending on how many people are in the photo, who wear maybe like a size 16, 18. And when you're scrolling past it, you go, oh, wow, look at that little diverse little group of people. How cute. Um, but in reality, <laughs> that person that's a 16, 18 is the average size person. And when all we take in is majority tall, thin, and like one person who's smaller plus, that tells our brain that like, that's the reality when it's yeah. not the reality, um, yeah. statistically. So like, my dream is just that fashion, like takes its head out of its butt and like, <laughs> realizes who the customer is and where the, you know, you can think about it whatever way you want. If you want to think about it capitalistically and say like, that's where the money is, fine, that's where the money is. But also, you know, all those wonderful things that we're talking about, like putting on clothes and make you feel like you and blah, blah, blah. Um, everyone deserves to have that feeling. And like that, that's my main goal is to make sure that, that everyone can, can access that. Well, I absolutely love that. And I think it's such an, a huge, you know, a huge, but bold mission to be on. And, you know, for you to step out in that space again is like, I'm super inspired because I, you know, was down that you kind of took me back in my own like memory lane. I'm like, yeah, I was there. And then I like totally shifted directions. And, you know, I think that it's like such an a, amazing place to be because you, you, you hit it on the timing. Like the timing is so right for this conversation. I mean, it, we're late. Let's be honest. We're late on the conversation. And we also get to have more of this conversation now more than ever. So with that being said, you know, amazing work. And I know that there's listeners here that are definitely going to want to check out all of the things that you do. So where can everybody find you? 
So my website for the company is smartglamour.com. That's S-M-A-R-T-G-L-A-M-O-U-R.com. And then all over social media, I am the same, just Smart Glamour, except for Instagram, where I have an underscore between smart and glamour. Um, I am personally most active on Instagram. That's where you can find me, like personally me, like posting a billion stories a day, answering DMs, responding to your comments. Um, I like kind of then repost that content onto other platforms. So like if you're an Instagram person, that's what I would suggest uh, following us there. But we do also make content on all, you know, all the other platforms that exist. Um, my email is also smartglamour at gmail.com. So if you ever have any question, anything you want to talk to me about, you're welcome to find me there. Well, amazing. This has been so lovely, Mallory. I really enjoyed hearing your story and, you know, the, the message behind what you're doing, which I think is the most important part of everything that you create. So thank you again for your time. And I hope that everyone listening really, you know, takes this away and thinks about fashion and clothing and everything a little bit differently and makes you think more consciously and to change your decisions and how you buy and who you support and you know remember that there are people like Mallory out there who are making things just for you <laughs> so Absolutely. all right everyone thanks so much for having me <laughs> you're so welcome and uh, I hope you guys please go check out her links and get on her Instagram page they'll all be of course everything in the show notes so Bye, everyone. I'll see you next week. And I hope you guys have a good rest of your day, morning, whenever you're finding yourself listening to this podcast. Bye for now. Hey, tribe. If you love this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. Whenever I get your little love notes, it really reminds me why I show up to this every single week. And it also helps us grow the show and bring on awesome guests to learn from and expand our network. Please also share this with your beloveds, share it with your friends, and follow us over on Instagram at New Earth Podcast, and that is spelled N-U Earth Podcast. I can't wait to see you over there.